Michael Swickard here. Welcome to Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Our award-winning Hatch Green and Red Chili is brought to you from locally owned farms in Hatch, New Mexico, which you know, the chili capital of the world, that's Hatch. Hit subscribe to automatically get these podcasts Monday and Friday, regular podcast Wednesday, we talk about people. Today I'll talk a bit about writer Eugene Rhodes, tell a couple of history notes, and mention that at one time in 1957, a hydrogen bomb was accidentally dropped by the Air Force on Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, you want to know about that story right now? A hydrogen bomb accidentally dropped on Albuquerque in 1957? Okay, well... In a flight of a B-36 from Biggs Field in El Paso, Texas to Kirtland Air Force Base, Albuquerque, New Mexico, in May 1957, there was an electrical malfunction in the safety system and a large Mark 17 hydrogen bomb fell through the closed bomb bay doors to the dismay, to say the least, of the crew as they were trying to land at Kirtland Air Force Base. They were up about 2,000 feet. Now, in May 1957, when I was in second grade in Wherry Elementary School, that's on the Sandia base near Louisiana and Gibson Road in Albuquerque, so I was there, didn't know about it. Nope, didn't know about it. The munition charges went off when it hit the ground. It fell about 2,000 feet. It was about five miles from the Kirtland Air Force Base Tower. The 42,000-pound hydrogen bomb did not explode. That was good. I wouldn't be talking to you. It hit an uninhabited area owned by the University of New Mexico, left a 12-foot deep, 25-foot round crater where it hit. In 1981, in response to a Freedom of Information Act request, the story did come out and was in all the newspapers. You can find it even today if you look for it. When people talk about oopsies... Now, that was a big oopsie. On this date in 1861, Henry Connolly was appointed the sixth territorial governor of New Mexico by President Abraham Lincoln. Now, it was the first time a New Mexico resident was territorial governor. He was born in Kentucky, Henry was. He was trained as a medical doctor in Lexington, Kentucky. But with a group of traders, he came to the Santa Fe area in 1824, not as a medical doctor, but as a trader of goods. From 1828 to the 1840s, he lived in Chihuahua, Mexico, and returned to New Mexico to live in a small town. It was called Peralta, about 20 miles south of Albuquerque. In 1846, he assisted in the negotiations preparing for the bloodless capture of Santa Fe and subsequently New Mexico by Brigadier General Stephen Watt Kearney. As governor, his five years, 1861 to 1866, he knew the struggles of New Mexico. During that time, the state itself shrunk to half its original size. Well, how could it do that? Well, because they took off Arizona. It was no longer part of New Mexico, so we were half the size. Henry Connolly died in office, but was thought to be one of the best territorial governors because he paid attention to everything going on for New Mexico. He was followed by 
Robert Mitchell, who is considered, are you ready for this, the worst governor, uh, especially territorial governor, because he didn't take the office seriously and most often was not even in the state. He was appointed there for two years and then fired. There were nine territorial governors from uh, Conley to the next New Mexico governor, and that next governor was an interesting person. A New Mexico county is named for this governor, and it's tied to a New Mexico mystery, who killed Albert Fountain and his son Henry. Well, who is that? It's Miguel Antonio Ortero II. He was appointed territorial governor by President William McKinley, another New Mexico county name, huh? And this was in 1897. I'll talk about him and the Fountain murder in another podcast. I have other stuff to do here. More history of New Mexico. This week in 1898, railroad tracks were made into what is now Alamogordo, New Mexico. The town did not exist there until Charles B. Eddy, Eddy County, bought, uh, brought a railroad to the area and laid out the town. Eddy shipped 44,000 pounds of cottonwood trees into the new town from which the town gets its name, Alamogordo, which is Spanish for large or fat cottonwood. The lumber industry, along with the railroad, provided plenty of work, and farmers planted orchards because the railroad could get their goods to market very easily. The intent of the railroad, though, it ultimately was the Capitan area for a type of coal that is low on sulfur and prized by steam locomotive companies. Where this really changed things was that a spur was run from near uh, Almogordo and Tularosa up to Cloudcroft, and the tourist destination was enhanced. You can still see some of the old railroad right up next to the Cloudcroft town site. My maternal grandmother, Frieda Greenberg, taught school in the Cloudcroft area in 1908 in a one-room school. All grades were together. It was hard work because she had to keep the fire going in the stove while also taking care of the students. A few years later, she moved to White Oaks with her sister, and she said it was much easier. At the time in uh, 1930, at this time in 1935, there was a sudden change as to the senators from New Mexico. And uh, we had a senator named Bronson Cutting. Well, he was sadly killed in a DC-2 airplane crash near Atlanta, Missouri. They were flying in a fog, and they hit something they did not want to hit. He was flying from Albuquerque to Washington, D.C. Cutting was a newspaper owner and, oddly enough, was a former classmate and friend of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was the other party. Bronson was a Republican. Roosevelt was a Democrat. They got along fine. The year before, the political contest for Senate was very intense, with House Representative Dennis Chavez, a Democrat, coming within 1,300 votes of ousting Cutting. In fact, Democrat Governor Clyde Tingley named Chavez to the Senate seat the very next week. Senator Dennis Chavez served four terms in the U.S. Senate and served until his death in 1962. Elephant Butte Dam and Reservoir is happily 28% full. One year ago, it was 10%. So the winter snows have had a great effect. I was told uh, that last year, the water in Elephant Butte was so shallow. How shallow was it, Michael? 
Only half the rocks were covered when you were boating. It caused some language from boat captains when they broke a prop or punched a hole in the boat. Now there's enough water for boating, fishing, and agriculture. A blessing indeed. Remember, if you have some fresh-caught fish, a few spices, and some good green chili, and you're going to make a good dinner, there's something else you can do. You can take a picture of this and what you can do with it, whether you use a dry rub or salsa, you can submit it to us to join our thousands of cooks in the chili cooking section. Upload your pictures on Facebook and tag the Fresh Chili Company or ask to join our private group. It's called Fresh Chili Cooking. On the Fresh Chili website, there is a large section of recipes using the Fresh Chili Company products. Even I have one there making beef jerky with some green chili as a flavoring. You can get plenty of ideas, and if you want to submit your own, again, that's something you can do. I am asked at times about the fire roasting of green chili. It smells wonderful, and the sound is great. I even think there should be a white noise machine that isn't the gentle sound of rain, because we don't normally understand. <laughs> we don't normally hear rain. Rather, it should be the sound of green chili as it is fire roasted. Now, you need to know that it isn't to cook the chili that we're doing this. The outside waxy layer is quickly scorched to a char, allowing the removal of that outer skin, which we normally don't eat, and it doesn't damage the inside. The plant produces a waxy coating to keep the moisture inside the chili pepper while it's growing. Fire roasting prepares the outer skin for removal and gives the chili meat a wonderful flavor. The roasting can be done commercially or in your home using your gas stove or backyard gas barbecue grill. Then the roast chili is packaged for use immediately or put in freezer bags for later use. That's what I do. We have several videos of fire roasting on our Fresh Chili Company website if you want to see how to do it. One of my favorite writers was busy writing a hundred years ago, telling stories about New Mexico and the people of the day. His name, Eugene Manlove Rhodes. He died June 27, 1934. He has many novels and short stories. In fact, there's a 1948 Hollywood movie, Four Faces West, with Joel McRae, it's still available. Eugene Rhodes, now I bet you didn't know this, is credited with the phrase Land of Enchantment. He wrote it in a story in 1911 when we weren't even a state yet. He wrote, A land of mighty mountains, far-seen, glorious, tinted, misty opal, blue and amethyst, a land of enchantment and mystery. That's us, a land of enchantment and mystery. Part of my enjoyment is his humor. Rhodes had a ranch up in the San Andreas Mountains, which was far, far, far from town. Naturally, men on the run from the law, outlaws you might call them, would come by at all times of the night and day. He provided a meal and a place to stay. He conveniently never watched them right away, so he could honestly say, if he was asked, which way they went, he didn't know. He was asked why he allowed outlaws to stay at his ranch. He smiled. First, it wasn't healthy to say no to outlaws, and more importantly, he said, outlaws was more interesting than in-laws. 
One thing that happens when people live in Las Cruces is they can come by the Fresh Chili Company's gift shop. It's located at 1160 El Paseo Road, Suite D7A in Las Cruces. It's open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. You no need for shipping, and the nice thing is you can walk in and look at all these different jars and go, yum, that's the one I want. If you're living far enough away, you do need to ship. You can buy 12 jars. We offer free shipping. If you live in the lower 48 states, that excludes Alaska and Hawaii, stock up and make sure you always have plenty of that, which makes everyone smile. Hatch Valley Red and Green Chili. And a case of that delicious chili would make a great present for somebody who lived here and moved away and still has a taste for Hatch Valley Green and Red Chili. Also, if you buy three jars, we'll donate one jar of our award-winning Mama's Salsa to a local food bank in New Mexico called Casa de Peregrinos. They provide school lunches and much, much, much more for those in need in our community. This is Michael Swickard with the Fresh Chili Company podcast, brought to you, of course, by the Fresh Chili Company. Thank you for your time today. We will always have lots of news and stories about New Mexico on these podcasts. If you have something that you would like me to talk about in a future podcast, write to me, michael at freshchilico.com. That's michael at freshchilico.com. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, yeah, eat plenty of good Hatch Valley chili. Like I always say, some chili's good, more is better. Bye for now.